Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That portion of God's word for our consideration and dwelling on the warnings that Jesus has given us about these times is taken from our gospel reading. We've already heard it in its entirety. I'd like to share with you just uh, portions of a few passages from Matthew 10, 17 to 28. Be on your guard against men. At that time you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but yet not kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. So far God's word. Look out! I mean, what do you do when someone screams at you? Look out. Well, if you're on a sidewalk, you think a car is coming over the curb, right? But maybe if you're out during the day when the kids are out in the playground, look out means there's a ball coming, duck. Look out. If you're standing on the edge of a cliff, or maybe what people call the Fisco Cliff, then maybe it would be spoken a little bit different, like, oh, look out, there's this trouble coming. Look out. Look out. There's a time for everything, a time to look out. Look out, be on your guard. For what? For those who would falsely accuse is what Jesus tells his disciples as he was about to send them out two by two at the beginning of his ministry. Be on guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils and flog you in their synagogues. Now, if any of you remember the gospel reading of a couple weeks ago, Matthew 13, and even if you don't remember... It's interesting because the, the verses in that gospel reading, Mark 13, which is at the end of Jesus' ministry, many of them are the exact same words that Jesus spoke here at the beginning of his ministry. So obviously, things didn't change at the beginning to the end of his ministry. And some of those things haven't changed to this very day. Even today, dear friends, Jesus warns, watch out, be on your guard. For those who would punish or at least harass or cause you a hard time because you are a Christian, because you talk like a Christian, you act like a Christian, punish you without reason, at least without a God-pleasing reason. The book of Acts details one example after another of how those early Christians, any of them at any time, could be arrested and put into jail or worse. Not because they had done some crime, only because they were believers in this Jesus. See, Satan would stir up and cause distrust, just like he did to the Jewish leaders who put Jesus to death. 
Jesus says, on my account. On my account. Because you talk about me. Because people know you believe in me. Because you act like a Christian, guess what's going to happen? You will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. You see, Satan is still alive, well, and wicked. Jesus would be put down. Even after he is gone. So, for us then, as Jesus sends us out, maybe one by one or or two by two, into this world to work for recreation, for medical services, for voting or participating in any of the various privileges we have in our country. If you are a Christian and talk like a Christian and act like it, expressing Christian views and values, look out. See, sadly, in our marvelous system of freedom of speech that we have and a right of expression, we allow people and we defend that right, we protect that right for them to share their beliefs, their thoughts, even if we disagree with them and even sharply disagree. Which, without it seems the only exception nowadays, is if you or I express what the Bible tells us about our loving and caring God. Now, indeed, we're not arrested or or thrown into jail very often, but Satan still has other devilish ways of punishing us. I mean, you go to work and you share your Christian views when you think is appropriate, and some of the good projects just don't seem to come to you anymore. Or you're not invited to that that group that gets together after work, right? And then talks about what's going on. Because the last time that you were there with them, you made some comments that weren't too pleasing to them because the comments they were making weren't pleasing to your Lord and Savior. Now, this isn't adults, you know, those in grade school or or teenagers. Perhaps there are certain... uh, violent video games that are for sale that your parents said, no way, ain't going to happen. I remember they say a few of those, those books that are coming out now, or the movies based on those books, just aren't God-pleasing. Just don't have any, any good value to them, at least a lot of things that they think are going to be harmful. Oh, so you, you tell your friends, well, I can't go to the movie with you. I can't go over to your house and play that game because uh, because my parents won't want me. What do they do? Say, well, fine, thank you? Maybe not, huh? Maybe then, okay, then you're not their friends. You're not in the in-group anymore because you don't go and say and and do the things that really just aren't pleasing to our God. Indeed, there are people, Christians around the world, that are arrested, put into jail, and worse. And maybe someday that will happen in our country. But I wonder if Satan doesn't push that yet. Because I think if you and I 
would be persecuted for expressing our Christian, I mean, physically persecuted for expressing our Christian views, I think we might band together. We might stand up and say, enough. No more of this. Besides, Satan is so effective using other means. Perhaps you fall into the trap, the, kind of the opposite trap. Maybe you don't share your Christian faith. Maybe people at work don't have a clue what you believe because you haven't told them. And some of the things that go on sure doesn't act like a Christian should act. You know, you laugh at the stories that, that are kind of filthy. You chip into the gossip that's being put in when you're running somebody down that is not there to defend themselves. So I like, you know, that old story about the young boy who was going to uh, summer camp. Not to a Bible summer camp, but just one of these where all kinds of people are there, including some people that aren't going to be Christians, no doubt. And the mother's concerned and worried because he's never gone in that kind of situation before. How would he do? So when he came back from camp, she was really excited to say, well, how did it go? How did it go? He said, fine. No, nobody gave me a hard time at all. I got along with everybody. He said, oh, that's great. Well, how, how could that be when you're, you're a Christian? He said, well, I didn't tell anybody. Are we like that little boy in the way that we live? in the ways that we talk, in the ways that we share, and the witness that we give. If you look at history, Christianity has flourished most often in times of persecution, physical persecution. Isn't that interesting? And if you look at that same history, you'll see that Christianity has floundered in times of prosperity when we had it all, sort of like the... the uh, rich king of Israel in our Ecclesiastes reading. Something to think about. And as times get tougher then, something to watch out for. Watch out because we might have opportunities and the fire to speak up and out. Jesus said, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses. God might be using this time of persecution, whether physical or otherwise, as an opportunity for you to share what you believe about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he means and how much he cares about everyone there. As witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Have you ever noticed that you got in a situation where you're going to have to say something? Maybe it's a pressure situation, and kind of you opened your mouth, and these words came out that sounded pretty intelligent and made a great point, and you stop and say, Wow, where did that come from? How could I say those things? That's going to happen here to the early disciples as they would be sent out two by two in the beginning of the ministry and at the end of the ministry. See, the Holy Spirit would, would come to them 
and just bring up truths that they hadn't even thought about or maybe knew before that. See, what was true for them, in a way, is still true for us. As we go out two by twos in these end times, the Holy Spirit most likely will not come to us and bring us God's word that we have never heard of or thought of. But the Holy Spirit can and will bring up the truths that you know that he had written down in one of those books that are before you in the pews. The black one. The Bible. See, that's why we preach in the Bible. You know, that, that's why we study the Bible. That's why you have our children in our elementary school and in our Sunday school memorize important Bible passages. So that will become, become part of what they think and part of what they know and part of what they can give witness to, either exactly as they memorized it or with the meaning that is there. See, that, that's an added benefit of joining us in our Sunday morning Bible studies or going to one of the weekday Bible studies, opening up that Bible yourself and reading it. Because then the Holy Spirit can equip your mind and equip your mouth to share the truth of God's word. And the Holy Spirit then can use that truth about who Jesus is and what he has done as ammunition to break up hard hearts to comfort the burden, to bring back those who are strained. Using God's word regularly will also help us look out and stand firm to the end. Jesus prepared his followers, his first followers, for the sad reality that may happen to some of us too. We, like they, may even be betrayed by family. Brother will betray brother to death. And if father his child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Betrayed also maybe by, by people in general. All men will hate you because of me. Did you hear that? All men will hate you because of me. Now, we go out expecting everyone to like us, right? And be nice to us. Right? We won't be nice to them, because that's what Christians do. And what do they return to us? Don't be surprised if all men will hate you. Because of Jesus, because of your relationship with Jesus. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. See, Satan's goal is not only to make your life here on earth miserable, but his goal is to make your eternity horrible. He wants to steal your faith in Jesus. He wants you to care more about getting along in this world with others and getting the material things of this world than getting into heaven. But he doesn't have a chance, dear friends, because he's defeated. He doesn't have a chance because you have a connection with Jesus Christ. And you're equipped with God's word. See, the devil understands that very well. That's why he wants to keep us away from the word. 
the power that God puts in to his word. But in that word, in that Bible, you have the dynamite of God, Paul says. A dynamite in your hand, and a dynamite in your heart, and a dynamite can come out of your mouth as you read and share God's truth for all time and for eternity. So stand firm. Let nothing move you. But don't be afraid to move when appropriate. Because Jesus says, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. See, there's nothing in and of itself meritorious about suffering just to suffer. Oh God, look how I'm suffering for you. He may want us to go someplace else, somewhere else, where people will listen. I mean, there is a time to stand your ground and to proclaim to the roof, from the rooftops what Jesus means to you and how important he is to others. And there's a time, you know, to shake the dust off your shoes and, and go to another place and do it pronto. Look out. Look out for the real one to fear. Jesus said, so do not be afraid of them. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So I say to you, don't be afraid of the people out there. And you say, yeah, fine. It's easy for you to stand up here and say that. But it isn't because I know what it's like to walk in your shoes and I know who you're going to face this week. It's because Jesus says that. He takes away that fear. Takes away that fear and gives us the confidence. Confidence in him and his promises. We know that Jesus has completed everything necessary for salvation, for our salvation and for anybody and everybody in this world. And we have the privilege of proclaiming that to others. What I tell you, Jesus said in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. It was indeed necessary for many of the things that Jesus taught to teach his disciples when they were away from the crowds, when they were away from the people. They needed to learn, they needed to grow, they needed to become equipped before he was put to death. And Jesus was necessary for him to live every day of his life in a God-pleasing way for the times when we have not. It was necessary for him to, to share and explain to his disciples his plan of rescuing souls from sin, and from Satan, and from death, often doing that quietly. See, Jesus stood up and boldly defended the truth before the Jewish leaders for the times when um, we stand down and don't speak against the ungodly practices of our times. See, Jesus backed up his nice guy, uh, uh, goody-goody talk with showing care and love for multitudes and for individuals. For the times when we're just too busy to go and bring some food in for Thanksgiving, and we've got too much else to do than take time to care for those around us who are in need. See, and Jesus did that every day of his life for us. And then he took on Satan and took on our sins and went to the horrors of that cross and suffered the punishment of hell for each one of us. 
And we know that. And we believe in that. We know that Jesus won. He was the Grand Marshal of the first Easter parade. We are to share that truth with others. But there are still multitudes who don't know what you know and haven't had their fears taken away. They're still living in fear. And they should be. They need to fear the one, not who can just end their lives or make their lives miserable, but fear this one. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. See? Don't fear the, one that, the ones that can just take your life. A wicked men in this world, can they end their life? Yes, they can. Can Satan? Uh, at times, yeah, God allows that. That can happen. But then we go to heaven, right? See, don't, don't fear that one, he says, Jesus says. Rather, be afraid of the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell forever. Who is that one? That's our Lord God. That's the one that we know is totally loving and forgiving, yet at the same time is totally just and vengeful. See, to those who would be persecuting Jesus' followers then or today and reject this Jesus that was shared by his followers then and by us today, need to be afraid because there is a God that is fully ready to send them to hell. That's hard. That's harsh. But that's the truth. They need to have heartfelt fear over the way they've acted, the things they've done, and hopefully that heartfelt fear will create in them an openness or desire to listen to you who have told them again and again about a plan to save them, to rescue them, about a loving God. And you'll have the opportunity to share that. And the Holy Spirit can take that message of salvation to them who desperately need it. Share Jesus whenever you can, from the rooftops or in the workroom. And then pray that the Holy Spirit will take that to create faith so that they can be free from that dreaded fear of an eternity in hell. May God keep each one of us firm in the faith, trusting in Jesus Christ, and may he make us fearless in sharing the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, but wants and has made it possible for each of them to be saved. There's a time for everything. A time to look out. May our powerful God continue to send us believers who will come to us and say, look out. And may we be one of them that reminds others who are still in danger. Amen.